but I am so excited to be here. Uh, it's so nice to, uh, to come before everybody. Somebody told me this morning, when I told them I was nervous, I told everyone I was nervous, they told me, don't look people in the face. <laughs> I can't think of a better group of people to look at your face, because these are all the people who've encouraged me, all the people who've prayed with me and blessed me. So, I don't, I don't, I'm not taking that. <laughs> I'm not taking that. I think that's really good. And I, I just want to spend some time thanking the band this morning. Because uh, I, I didn't know how I was going to do it this morning to, to get up here. And, but just having a time of worship is so good. I see two over there. It's, uh, it's amazing. You know, I think when you play in a band in church, you can tell your mates, I play in a band. Or you could say, I drag people out of the darkness and push them into the light, you know, in the name of Jesus. And both would be equally true. Because the band have been so important. I need someone to put my Bible. I'm just going to borrow the band stool. So, um, as has been said, my name is Daniel Hutton. I don't work in the church. I'm just a member here. It's the first time I'm preaching, as you can probably tell. Um, I started coming to this church in 2011. Uh, I was convinced atheist at that time. So you might ask, why on earth did I come to church then? Um, my wife's Christian, and uh, we just moved to this country, or I'd moved back to Bedford, and she'd moved with me. And uh, I thought, I knew about this church. I'd never been in it, but I knew about it, and uh, I thought this was going to be a good place for her to, uh, to try and settle down. Um, and uh, that, that worked, and... I came here, and for about a year, I, I enjoyed the worship. I listened to a lot of preaching, and I thought it was interesting. It caught my attention. But then, after I'd been here for about a year, we had a guest preacher who prayed a, just the most suitable, just simple, wonderful sermon. His name is Adrian Holloway. And I responded to that, showing everybody that I wanted to be a Christian by walking up here to the front, in front of everybody, which was also very nerve-wracking. Um, and, uh, and then I immediately started on an Alpha course. And uh, I, I really, I just had the best Alpha course ever. I mean, it was just brilliant. Um, but I was on a different level to most of the other people there. A lot of people talking about Jesus, and I was desperately trying to figure out whether there was a God and uh, trying to come to grips with that. So it was on a completely different path to everybody else. And I stayed on that path. You know, I've, heard, I've seen a lot of people here. We just mentioned Heather. You know, people who heard about Jesus and immediately their lives changed in a day or a week. That's not me. I spent years and years and years coming to grips with every single thing that was said up here. Um, I mean, uh, yeah, Jesus was a big step, probably six months, and then uh, heaven was probably the one that really took the longest time. Um, so there are lots of different ways to come to Christ, and um, yeah, I, 
I've written down in my script to stop talking about it. I love talking about my testimony, and I could talk about it for the rest of today. Um, so I just, I've said stop. Um, but I just love it because it's the best thing that's ever happened to me. And uh, my life has changed for the better because I can, I can deal with the things that come up with me in, in my life. So despite coming from that very long path, from coming to church for the first time to coming to preach for the first time, the last few months have been pretty tough, mostly because of fear. Fear is obvious. Maybe those in the front row can see me sweating and shaking, but that's, that's obvious. It's, it's really scary to come here. But the other thing is pride, you know. Um, pride is a bit more complicated because you can see being called to preach as a bit of a personal achievement, something that, you, you know, it's going to, like a promotion or doing well in an exam. And uh, I've been reminded again and again by the Holy Spirit that that's clearly not what it is. And I can tell from the conversations I have in my head that I'm trying to think of something to impress people. Um, and that's not what God wants me to do. Uh, so I just, I'm going to pray now, and in my prayer I'm just going to pray that everything good that comes out of what I do today, all the glory is going to, to God. Amen. And, uh, yeah. so, so I'm just going to pray. Uh, Lord, we give you thanks that we can gather here in your name today. Thank you for our church. Thank you for all our leaders. Thank you for the wonderful worship team that served us so well this morning as we enter into your presence. Thank you, Lord, for this special privilege of talking to the church where you've placed me. Thank you for giving me the strength to overcome my fear and get up here today. And I declare, Lord, that if any good comes from my work today, all glory and honor for what I've done go to you. I ask you to protect me from my own pride. Don't allow the devil any room to attack me. During or after this talk, help me keep my focus firmly on you, Jesus. Fill us, Lord. Fill us, every single person in this room. Fill us with the Holy Spirit. And uh, open our hearts to what you want us to hear today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, I hate to say it, my introduction's not over yet. Um, <laughs> we're going to preach today on, on Revelation 3, uh, chapter 3. Um, I've got a few other things to look at before I, I get there. Um, but Revelation chapter 3 and chapter 2, in fact, most of this series that we've looked at, it's, a, it's an amazing bit of scripture. Um, when I was preparing for this with Andy Woodward, he showed me on his phone app that all the text is in red. And uh, I think that's, that happens in a lot of Bibles as well, that when it's Jesus talking, text is in red and uh, if you look at chapter 2 and 3 it, it's nearly all red it's, uh, this, this is a special bit of scripture that is Jesus talking Chris you check in <laughs> it's not on all apps okay yeah. um, so what we're doing here today is we're going to have a conversation with Jesus which I think you know when I figured that out I thought that sounds exciting. That is encouraging. So um, and the thing I loved about this series, I mean, we're coming to the end of it, we've got one more to go, is that um, it's very tempting when you're reading Revelation 
you know, you, you usually hear about Revelation before you actually read it. You hear about all the things about it. And you want to get into all the action. You want to get to the monsters. <laughs> so you might be tempted to just skip over chapter 2 and 3. Um, after, you know, uh, one, okay, I've got the picture. And then skip over it. But this series has just allowed, and preparing for today, just allow me to really dwell. Because this scripture tells us who Jesus is. And it gives us such a plethora of blessings that Jesus wants to give us. So that's great. Um, The the scripture is just jam-packed with good news. But um, before I read from scripture, I want to to put it in a little bit in context by going back to chapter 1. Um, where you can really feel some of the blessings. So John says he's praying, he's praying in the spirit, and he hears a voice. Um, Have we got there? Yeah, super. And this is what happens. So it's uh, from chapter 1, verse 12 onwards. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in the furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand he held the seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp double-edged sword. His face was like the sun, shining in all its brilliance. This is a picture of Jesus. And I don't know, if I was asked to describe Jesus, draw a picture of Jesus, would I draw something like that? You know, this is, this puts in context uh, that Jesus is in heaven, fully glorified. We don't live with the Jesus who's on the cross or in the grave. That's finished. And uh, so this is the Jesus who talks to us. This is the Jesus who helped me prepare today. This is the Jesus that testifies for us in front of the Heavenly Father. This is, um, this is who we're talking about. And... Uh, When I read this, I'm, I'm blessed. Uh, and I think this is the kind of blessing that we want when we're reading these few chapters of Revelation. Um, and then <laughs> what happened to John after this in the next bit, in the next few lines, is that um, when he saw Jesus, he did what we'd all do. He fell down as if dead. Um, and just to highlight the fact that Jesus is human and he wants to connect with us. What happened next in the scripture is he reached out to John and touched him and, and told him not to worry. He reassured him. And uh, he, he is glorified in heaven, but he is not distant. What have I done? All right, let's move on to today's scripture. Uh, 
This is the sixth city of, out of the seven that we're looking at, and it's uh, Philadelphia. And um, Philadelphia is a, historically, it's a very important town. It was built as a gateway to an area of uh, what is now Turkey, where citizens wanted to establish a Greek culture and language. They wanted to, to have their own area. And it seems like they were very successful. And, um, but it, uh, there's one notable thing that I, I saw in, when I looked at the history is it had a big earthquake in AD 17, so it's during Jesus' lifetime. So it can't have fully recovered from that by the time that this was all happening. Um, so I'm gonna read the scripture. So it's uh, Revelation chapter three, verse seven, if you read in your Bibles, or it's on the screen. How big is it? It's all right. To the angel of the church in Philadelphia writes, these are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut. What he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. I'm coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of heaven from my God. And I will also write on them my new name. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Amen. Well, Right in the first verse, um, we come across this idea of the door, right? And as soon as I see door, I start thinking of another bit of scripture. Um, sorry to diverge straight away, but that's the way it is. As soon as I see it, I think of another bit of scripture, which is something that I'm much more familiar with, right? I start to think about um, scripture is very nearby. It's in verse 20 of the same chapter. Okay, uh, I wonder if we go on to the next slide. And th this is it, and this is, uh, I've put a picture of this painting up, which uh, I wonder if you might remember Andy Economides coming and showing us this painting, uh, which hangs in St. Paul's Cathedral, or one version of it hangs in St. Paul's Cathedral. Um, and it's a painting inspired by this scripture. Verse 20 says, here I am, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. This is Jesus' personal invitation to put your trust in him. It's very meaningful for me and a lot of other Christians because it's the invitation we heard. Um, and uh, I remember 
when he came and he, he showed us this on a, on a slide. And, uh, and, and what, what he said about it. Um, and also when I went to St. Paul's Cathedral and I, what I thought at that time, because I, I made a point of it. We got together with Shoei and the kids we went on a day trip to St. Paul's and made a point of it and we stood there in front of it. And I thought, this is what's happened to me. This is, this is what's happened in, in my church. This is, Jesus has stood outside knocking on my door covered with brambles and, 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 and asked to come in. And, uh, and it's changed my life. Um, it's a picture of Jesus at the door, but actually what it is, it's a promise. It's not a normal promise like we know, like somebody promised to give you a tenor or something. It's a heavenly promise. It means it's something that just will happen. It means if you respond to Jesus, he will come into your life. And, and it's an absolute truth. Um, and of course, if you hear Jesus calling you, you're free to decide to ignore it. You don't have to. But if you hear him and you invite him in, your life's going to change. Um, if we go back to verse 7 and 8, just to have a look. Yeah, there we go. This scripture, there's a door in it, right? And that's pretty much, that's the physical link. But there's also Jesus in it. And here Jesus' role is, I think, even more clear than in, the, uh, in verse 20. Because it says that he holds the keys of David. He is our path to God. He holds the keys to our salvation. And, uh, and uh, I mean, it, the mechanics of the door look different, but, uh, but it's still true. And um, the, uh, the scripture in verse 8, for me, I find it hard to take, but it, it, it's amazing because it says that he knows what we've done. So he's talking to the church now. He knows what we've done. He knows we have little strength, but we haven't denied his name. Um, it's hard to receive a word like that. Jesus knows what we've done, but he's judged it positively. Um, it's amazing news and it's almost tempting to just put it off and say well he's probably talking to another church or he's talking to somebody else but I firmly believe that it's, uh, it's about this church and the reason I think it's about this church is um, it's really to do with what God has been saying to me when I came to preach I, I've I didn't want to preach when I, even, even a, a year ago. I, I show you, my wife had encouraged me to preach. Andy Woodward asked me to preach. I just said no. But something in me, uh, especially after what happened last summer with Richard coming back from Bogota and being so inspired, it just called me to preach. And what, I knew what I had to preach. I had to tell this church that is fantastic. I had to tell this church, I had to encourage this church. 
Um, and I thought, oh yeah, but they're gonna give me some scripture as well, and I might have to squeeze that in somehow. <laughs> and look what I got. I got the letter to Philadelphia. Out of all the seven letters, it's the one that's 100% positive. It's the one that's pure encouragement. And I nearly didn't get it, actually, but we'll come on to that later. But um, I just think that there's a, it's more than a coincidence. There's a real answer there. Um, because I, I just felt so motivated. I, I heard a lot of preachers, sometimes we get some really hard lessons from the front. And, uh, and, and sometimes when I'm sitting listening to it, I just think, no, I just, I just want to encourage the church. These are the people who've worked. Jesus has worked with them, their hands, their mouths, you know, their food, to bring me to Christ, to look after my family, to and do it for so many other people as well. Um, so I knew that I was supposed to encourage you. And uh, it's a very easy job because when I look at the texts about the early church in the book of Acts, everything I see happening there, I see happening here. I see baptisms in the Holy Spirit, I see healings, I see transformations of non-believers, like me. I see transformations of believers, sometimes blow me away even more. Um, I don't know, well, I've got Antonio sitting right in front of me. He just decided to start a new ministry. Right? It's not normal to just decide to start a new ministry. People who are not here just decided to start a new church. I'm going to go and plant a church. It's not, it's not ordinary things that happen in a church. And um, those things can only happen here because of, uh, of God's presence and his blessing. And uh, of course me, I'm, I'm testifying to this This the amazing work of this church, but I don't even need to speak. I'm a walking testimony. I'm literally evidence of what happens here. People come to Christ here and their lives are changed forever. So, that was my first reason for believing this is for us. The second reason is a little story which happened in group. Um, so I've got a brilliant growth group and uh, they meet in my house. Um, and uh, one evening I led group I don't normally lead it but I was leading it this time and I was kind of provoking all the discussion about revival um, and uh, I'd already told them that I was preaching and I'd, I'd had the, the text wrong I thought I was preaching on the church of Sardis and um, together with Shoei I managed to work out what I was actually supposed to be preaching on. So I had to update the group. I had to tell them, uh, it's not Sardis, it's Philadelphia. And um, one of my group ladies, I'm gonna mention her name, because I've already warned her, April Robinson, she just opened the diary. And um, it had written there on today's date, Sardis, so she's called it out, Philadelphia. And 
and uh, I just love it. People have got stuff that's going on in your life, in their diaries. <laughs> Why? <laughs> well, they're probably, probably looking to pray for you and bless you secretly, <laughs> without telling you. <laughs> um, yeah, it's great. But then she said, oh, so what's in it then? Let's have a look at it. And she opened the Bible, like that. Just takes about a second for April to find the right passage. And she read it. I, I can't remember how long, because we were getting our shoes on, we were getting ready to go, but she just looked at it like a scan. She said, oh, but there's a door. Oh, well, that's what you've been talking about tonight. This is, this is the door that's been given to the church. The door that's been opened for the church. And revival. These are the two things that, uh, that are aligned. So it's what I wanted to put in here. I know what you do. And I've opened a door for you. And uh, yeah, I just lost where I am a bit, sorry. I know revival is a bit of a buzzword for some people. There might be people, there might be visitors here who don't know what I'm talking about when I say revival. But uh, history shows that you know, we, we believe God's working everywhere all the time. But history shows that the intensity of God's work happens in particular places in particular times. And you can read about revivals in, in Wales. You can read about the Toronto blessing. Um, there's revivals happen where God, for whatever reason, decides to work in a particular area. And, um, and usually because of maybe the sheer number of converts or something else special that happens, you know that it can't be a man-made thing. It's something that God does. And um, of course, Christians want revival to come. And preachers who know about revival, unless they're, they're just not going to say that revival is coming unless they've heard from God. So what happened last summer is our lead elder came back from a conference in, in Bogota, Colombia. And he told us, revival's coming to the UK. He didn't say it's coming to Bedford, and he didn't say it's coming to this church. He said it's coming to the UK. But um, a lot of people that I've talked to since then uh, have, have got a kind of, well, we'll wait and see type attitude. Was, inside me, I just thought, well, if that's going to happen here, I, I want to start celebrating right now. I mean, it took me a little while to get used to it because Richard, I mean, it was hard to look at initially because he couldn't stand up straight. But, <laughs> but, um, but after I got over that, I just thought, oh, this is amazing. I want to, yeah, I, I, I want to pray into this. Um, it's, it's basically... The word over us has already been given, which means the sign for us to see has already been shown. So we've got to pray into it and we've got to celebrate. God is at work here in the UK. Okay? 
it's, it's difficult to believe when you, if you read the news too much, but it's the truth. And if your joy at the word of revival is guarded, it's time to drop your guard. It's, uh, Jesus stood next to me, knocking on the door of my life eight years ago, and now he stands in front of the church and he says, I know what you do, and I've opened the door for you. Right. You might be uh, sitting there thinking, well, Jesus speaking to the church, what am I supposed to do? How do I take in part in that? And the answer is simple. You're already taking part. If you are here today, you know, every time you cross the threshold of the door, God's kingdom grows. Because it's a choice you make. You could do lots of other things on a Sunday. There's loads of stuff. There's loads of sport. There's loads of shopping. But you decide to come here. And uh, I know there's a lot of people here thinking, well, not me. I didn't do anything. Or not me. I'm having a terrible time. And uh, my life's in a mess. But uh, by coming here, you make it. And sometimes it's the simplest things that you do. Um, that, that make it. Um, I'm just looking for bits to skip. Because <laughs> I, know, I know I'm running late. You know, when I came here for the first time, the guys who ministered to me, I had a, a real strong image to them. Uh, the, the guys impacted me more than anything because they looked like me but they behaved very differently. Um, and I really thought of them like these pillars here. I, I really thought these were the guys holding up the roof, making a safe space for me to get all my ideas, no matter how long it took, get all my ideas straight. And it, it took years. And, and still today, I, I receive all the time, every time I come here. Uh, and I just want to challenge you, you know, if you're here today, if you're thinking it's not me, look on yourself as a pillar of the church because you bless people, change people's lives. So that's people's roles in the church. And, and the last thing I want to look at is, uh, is about your identity. Um, because uh, there's some great blessings in here about our identity. Um, and what I'm talking about is our identity in Christ, which if you haven't heard that phrase before, is a bit of a funny phrase. But um, it's really where the fun starts in Christianity. It's really where things take off. Um, because it's only with your identity in Christ you can start to do things like getting rid of bad habits that control you, overcome addictions, get rid of false beliefs. And... Um, all it entails, really, is looking at the Bible and seeing what God says about us, um, because it says a lot. And this bit of uh, this bit of uh, chapter three has got some lovely parts to it. Um, it says at the end, I think it's in verse twelve, it says that Jesus is actually going to write some names on us, some labels, like a barcode or a stamp. I don't know, some indelible ink or something. 
There's, there's no way to get it off. Um, so we're just going to have a look at these three labels that he says here. So we're going to just skip a couple of slides ahead, I think. Uh, this one, yeah. So I'm going to bring up the first one. So the first one he says is he's going to write the name of his God, okay, on us. That, that's who we are, right? He's going to say, you're gods. I don't know if it's going to be on the arm or the chest, the head, I don't know. Doesn't doesn't specify, but it's very clear. It's going to write that label on us. The second label he's going to write on us is where we're from. Um, and this is a description of heaven. It says, the name of the city of my God, the New Jerusalem. Right? As Christians, we are citizens of heaven. Okay? I don't know if anyone's got their passport. I brought my passport just as a demonstration. I know in this church we've got lots of different passports. Um, you really should write on here just visiting. Right? This is their identity according to God, who's citizens of heaven. Okay? And he's going to write it on us. So we don't need a passport, it's built in. Um, and the last label is probably the most precious because really it's the one that enables us to have the first two labels. Um, Jesus says he's going to write his name on us. Jesus is the one who's brought us, allowed us into those first two labels. So this is how we got there. He actually says he's going to write his new name, which I don't, I don't know what his new name is going to be, but it's Jesus' name, and it's going to be written on us. If you find those labels hard to wear, if you think, I, I couldn't buy that T-shirt, I couldn't wear that on my, on my, uh, on my forehead, or, then this morning I really want you to come and receive prayer. Um, the prayer team are ready to receive you. I'll also be there to pray for you. It's not a, not, not a thing to lose this chance to respond. This is your identity as a Christian. So it's very easy for any Christian, either a new Christian or someone who's been Christian for decades, to lose touch with this bit of identity. Because the little tiniest bit of stress in our life problems at work, health issues, and we can forget that God's with us. We can forget that this is the, these are the labels we wear. Um, so if that's you in that situation, then I hope you'll also come for prayer. And uh, I'll just ask uh, if anyone else has heard anything else this morning that they want to uh, want prayer about, then... Uh, Please also come forward. The prayer team are over here and they're, they're ready and waiting for prayer for you.